friends to another live conversation on Alatra TV. Today we have a very special guest with us, but before I introduce him, I would like to remind our viewers the format of our program tonight. So we will get to know our guest and we will also find out how does he envision building a creative society, a society where everyone is happy and lives a fulfilled life. So if you never heard about a creative society, please visit alatraunites.com. And on the website, you can read more about this project. It is run by volunteers from over 180 different countries in order to find out what kind of future do we want together and how do we build it? So tonight, my name is Olga and my co-host is Paul. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Welcome, um, Corey, and welcome, Olga. Thank you. And with us, we have Corey Warfield, and he is a visionary, mentor, entrepreneur, and I got a feeling that he has a couple more titles on him. So welcome, Corey. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and thanks to everyone that's tuned in. Awesome. Could you tell us a little bit more about your background and what do you do? Absolutely. So I effectively worked my way up in the restaurant industry for about 20 years. Every six months or so, I would learn a new skill and upskill until I made my way into the corporate world, uh, balancing some P&Ls. At the end of a year, I realized that the bartenders and servers made more money than I did as, as an executive. And I went back to serving uh, for a number of years before I started my first technology company four years ago. Uh, so it's been well, four years, I've learned how to effectively use social media to raise capital, launch companies, help others do the same. I've connected with people in six of the seven continents, uh, joined a number of boards, whether as an advisor, uh, whether a founder, things of that nature. And I have a lot of fun helping people grow in a number of ways uh, that have worked with me for me as I continue to find ways that will work better for me in the future. That, that's awesome. I mean, um... Your your skills actually cross over into so many different areas, and that seems to be a real good thing of being able to be flexible. Um, we've actually got some uh, pictures which we would like to the, the production team to put up on the screen for us. And um, I wonder if you're going to be able to talk us through the pictures when they when they come up. I love this. So yeah, we want to get to know you a little bit more. <laughs> there we go so talk us through it my friend all right so it looks like the one on the left is probably me with an impossible whopper uh, when burger king first launched their meatless burger and the ceo of the company let's see if i can get this out there. oh no we lost Corey. Corey, come back we want to hear more about the burger story <laughs> It looks like he's enjoying the burger regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. So we're going to wait for Corey to come back. I know he is um, holding his phone and he's holding some of the equipment that he is using. So we'll just um, wait for him to come back. But I do have very exciting news for our viewers before he joins us. On December 20th this year, we have a huge global conference. And we will tell you a little bit more about it once Corey joins us back. But it is so exciting that we actually can make 2020 the best year yet because we all can unite and we all can talk about creative society and how important it is to spread the message that everyone knows about it. 
And I think Corey's coming back, so he'll tell us more a little bit more about that burger situation. Yeah, no, we, we, we were just deciding who was going to cut the burger out of there, my friend. So uh, as you're back, we're going to put you back on your burger. Perfect. <laughs> Go ahead. So that is the Impossible Whopper. And I apologize to everyone. I've got the new earbuds in and I can't figure out that every time I touch them, uh, it's going to effectively uh, terminate a phone call. And I want to get the ring light. Oh. oh, and then we lost him again. So the good news in the creative technology, in the creative society, the technology will work for us, not against us. So it's amazing opportunity for all of us to even, you know, see what's not working for us now. Uh, so we'll wait for Corey to come back uh, and he'll tell us a little bit more about uh, him. Uh, about I mean, uh, him. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the conference because I had a sneak peek view of the of the video and oh my god it is it's amazing and um, it really just sums up what the whole idea of what we're trying to do of, of bringing everyone together and in a really good time just before um, Christmas here he is please tell me more about this burger <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, Corey, come on. You can have us waiting. Let's have the burger back on the screen. <laughs> Don't Perfect. touch your earbuds. <laughs> well, thir third time's a charm. I, I decided to take the selfie stick and the earbuds away and go old school. So hopefully oh, oh, I, I do want to get this uh, long ways again. And uh, perfect. Hopefully this is now going to be excellent. So that is the impossible, burger, impossible Whopper the day that Burger King had first launched it. Uh, I was eating vegan. Uh, at the time, you know, some people would say a little bit too loudly. I was one of those people that wouldn't shut up about it. Um, but I was really just so happy that they had the burger. And I'd fairly recently connected with the CEO of the company uh, that owns Burger King Restaurant Brands International. And the former CEO of that company was the youngest CEO of a, of a billion dollar brand. I had connected with him on LinkedIn. He had been promoted uh, to the, the CEO of the holding company that bought Popeye's and Tim Hortons, which is the Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts of Canada. And so he and I had developed a rapport and, and you know, some many months later at this point, uh, we're, we're still talking to them about adoption of Shedwell and some of their competitors have started adopting us at scale, which is fantastic. But so that was a way for me to promote veganism, try a new product and to try to uh, earn some some points with, with someone that had become a follower and you know, uh, almost friend, I, I can say an associate on, on LinkedIn. Um, and, and I did get some visibility from he and some of his peers with that post. So um, that's a fun one. I think what's not what, out of sight is uh, uh, one of the people that worked for me at the time who is a very just passionate vegan. And it, she had a smile on her face from her first bite that looked like she had just, just landed on cloud nine. <laughs> Uh, can you see other pictures? Can you tell us more about the two more? I, I can. So the one in the center is in Telluride, Colorado. That's when uh, I, I, I don't name the program, but I was in a four-month accelerator there helping grow the, the, the company, raising our first round of, of capital. And that was a founder that built a billion-dollar company. I don't know if I should say his name or the company's name either. Sometimes you have you know weird paperwork in place. So I'll just say that that was a founder of a company that a lot of, a lot of people have um, had touched their, their households in, in one way or another. And um, it was a pitch. So that gondola starts in the town of Telluride, takes you up to Mountain Village. It's about a three minute gondola ride. So he and I were just in that cart together and I was pitching him on the idea. And 
you know, he and every other mentor I met there had a 180 degree vision of what I should do. And if, if I just changed the name and the concept and the pricing model and all that, um, you know, they, they might write me a check. So needless to say, I got out of that gondola without a check, um, but it was an experience. Awesome. Thank you so much, Corey. And thank you so much for sharing some of the background and some of the connections that you have made through the years. And Corey, how important is it for us to work together? And uh, what can we do to really understand that together we can do so much more? Well, it's, it's absolutely imperative and it's mission critical. I, I, I often say none of us have ever heard of a company that was started and ran by a solopreneur. They just don't exist. You, you need a team to make anything happen, whether you're trying to make money, whether you're trying to make, you know, uh, an impact in any number of ways, societally, socially. Um, so I, I, I think that once we, once we leverage collaboration, now that we can grow cross border, cross ocean, um, I, I find social media and the internet to have really shrunk the world. Um, you know, in, in, in leaps and bounds. So I, I think that there's, there's no way to progress as a creative society or as societies, businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, and even individuals without that collaborative element. What, I mean, I, I love that. And shrinking the world is really important. I mean, what would you say to somebody who thinks, well, it's only just me and I can't change anything? What, what would be your advice to someone who's thinking that? So I think that that's a mindset a lot of people get stuck in, but I think a lot, you know, it's easy to tell someone like that, that some meditation or, you know, just getting out of their comfort zone is really going to help them, but that's not a place where people are receptive to that. So I think just putting out more and more content and people showing those people that they have been there. I've certainly been there myself, um, feeling despondent, feeling very small and just showing them that people that have been through that have gotten out on the other side and, and that are making big impacts and, you know, someone like myself, I'm, I'm still a small drop in a big ocean, but I think it's really, you know, once you start brushing shoulders with some of these other, I, I love the fact that you put that picture up earlier, but it's, you know, my circle has turned into a lot of these people that have grown brands that I grew up, you know, using and you know, the, the Super Bowl commercials and the people that were acting in them and, and sponsoring those. And, you know, some of them appear on your cap tables and it's not all about money at all, but it's all of these things that are at play become so much more attainable once you just start to lean into it. So I think anybody that's not leaning into it can just, you know, whether it's this message that resonates with them or, or one of the other thousands of people that are saying the same thing, I think at some point they'll hear it, they'll see it, and hopefully it strikes a chord. That makes sense. And I know that you are talking to a lot of people at a lot of times. And how do you make sure in this consumeristic type of world we live in where profits rule over everything human in us. How do you personally make sure that every relationship is special and still built on the best human qualities? So I've kind of, I, I, I view a new economy emerging kind of being the barter economy and as a bootstrapped entrepreneur, we've now raised a couple million bucks, but there was a time where it was just my life savings. And when that turned into nothing, I had to get incredibly creative and you know, I'm used to getting a lot without paying for it with, with currency, but, but rather with in-kind, you know, and, and now that I have hundreds of thousands of followers, it's easy for me to tell companies, I'll shout them out on social media if I like what they're doing, or I'll make some connections to some of the decision makers and their target companies and 
But I find that the more I can connect dots, the less money that I spend. And, you know, frankly, you end up having more money to spend as well. And it's not because you're holding it back, but because more people want to do business with you. And sometimes dollars are generated or, you know, whatever currency it might be when you're dealing in a global economy. But um, I don't know if that answers your question or not. <laughs> but for me, I just think there are, there are alternatives. Um, there are different ways to uh, measure, you know, success and, and wealth and riches. And there are certainly more than one ways to get a lot of the services and goods that people need in their lives. I, I think you're right. And leveraging, leveraging as much as you can is definitely a really good way forward. Um, which kind of makes me think of, you know, how important do you think the unification on people on the basis of a moral and spiritual values so I, I don't know if this is where you're going with this or not, but to me, I think it's very important that people have uh, very different values and very different morals. And so, you know, one of my favorite songs is by Bob Marley's son, Ziggy Marley, and it's Love is My Religion. But I, you know, I don't care what people would call a God. and I don't necessarily care if people believe in a God or not. God's very dear to me. But I think that the more people want others to to believe what they believe and try to impose that, the more that it ends up pushing people away. So um, I, you know, I, I'm all about when, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, I, I really, I think it's, it goes much beyond a, a credo or a mandate. Yes, most definitely. And, and that's what creative society is all about. It's unification of people outside of politics, outside of religion, outside of age or social status, because at the end of the day, we all want the same. We all want to be safe happy, fulfilled, and just respected. So those are just the basics, what people are striving for. And Corey, today we re really have a special announcement. And I don't know if you got a chance to, but I, our volunteers have put together an amazing, amazing two-minute video about an upcoming conference on the Creative Society. So today we're going to switch up the format a little bit, and we'll watch that two-minute video clip and then we will ask you about the creative society and what you think uh how we can build it together so i'll ask our IT team to play it now sounds great every day we share a great amount of information this information forms our reality Is this the way we wish to live? We need change. The change starts with us, with the information we share. Consumer society leads us to death. We need a new vector of life, a creative society. It is up to you and me to build a creative society worldwide, where human life is the main value. Development of humanity is the main aim. Human safety is the main priority. Is it possible to build a creative society now? Yes. All we need to do is unite in one common idea. A creative society 
people around the world are already acting to share the idea of creative society with the whole world to make it a reality. Learn how on the unique international online conference, Creative Society, United We Can, December 20, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, live on Alatra TV. You are the one who can change the future. to do something like that from the voiceover to the images to the message is just amazing to see how much talent and creative talent that we really have and how, how much humanity we have so I'd like to thank all volunteers that are working some late nights to make this happen so Corey how important is it really to share the information and are we responsible for the information that we do share Oh, I think you're muted, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. I'm back. Uh, so I think it's, it's imperative. And I, I often talk about the observer effect. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that whether you're talking about energy or you're talking about matter and atoms, things actually behave differently when they're being observed and when they're not. And so when we put things out there, that's our, our responsibility, because as co-creators of reality, we are putting things out there that can be perceived, witnessed, and observed. So in that regard, we are very responsible, and we need to make sure that we're only putting out what we would have life and what we would have reciprocity actually be able to perceive. That said, we can't hold ourselves to a standard where we, we, we consider ourselves to be guilty of what we put out, how it's perceived by others, right? It's um, I, I put out videos that I thought were fantastic, and sometimes they're myself, sometimes they're other people, and yeah, I might have hundreds of thousands of people that love that particular video. There will always be, you know, 10, 20, 30 people that either it really rubbed them the wrong way. I made a, you know, I, I don't even necessarily consider it a mistake, but I put up a quote maybe a year ago uh, by Henry Ford. And I thought it was a very good quote. And I didn't realize that he was an absolutely horrid uh, human being. That post had so much backlash and, and, you know, I found out in that day a lot more than I ever knew about that man. And, you know, and I haven't shared uh, quotes, quotes from him since. However, um, you know, that wasn't, I, I didn't, you know, mean to, to jostle any cages or, or to, to align myself with, with any type of ideology by putting that quote out. So you know, I do think it's important that we put something out um, mindfully as anything that we do. But I also think we can't hold ourselves too accountable for how people take it. I think I think you're right. Um, it's two way street on that. And it's very difficult to find the happy balance. Um, but I think if we're all on a level playing field as best we can, and um, we all have that free access to the information rather than it being in the hands of a few, I, I, I think that's going to that's going to remove a lot of the mysticism about the communication. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah and I think Paul that leads into the one of the foundations, which is the openness and access to information. So let's read that. I believe it's number five. Is that right? It's number four, but close. Number four. Okay, let's bring it up on the screen, and then I'll let you read it, and then Corey can comment a little bit more on that. 
So transparency and openness of information for all. Every human has the right to receive reliable information about the movement and distribution of public funds. Each human has the access to information about the status of implementation of the society's decisions. The mass media belongs exclusively to the society and reflects information truthfully, openly, and honestly. So Corey, what's your feedback on this foundation and why do you think it is important? Well, it's interesting. Sometimes I get pedantic about semantics, but I, I note that it uses both the words trustworthy and honest. And, and to me, that would imply that there is a differentiation or a distinction between the two. Um, I do think it goes back to that perception as well. I think that you know, there are people that, that consciously and purposefully put out misinformation and put things out that they know to be untrue. There are other people that share their truth and that might not resonate with, with even, even the, the, the majority or a number of people as being true. And so I do think that it's important that we align ourselves with filters, that we align ourselves with, with people that we respect intellectually that can help us kind of understand you know, what reality to accept as our realities as we kind of share into this Akashic record or, or the, this collective consciousness, right? But I do think that it's important to put as much information out as possible, let it be filtered and vetted by as many people as possible. And I think with regards to the openness, I think that we do need that transparency. I, I don't know that anything can happen for individual societies, cultures, countries, governments, uh, if we don't understand and have kind of some foundations and I think in this day and age there have been so many loopholes and so many blatant disregards for some of the understood man-made laws that that it really does become important to um, you know have oversight and, and I think that on social media with, with electronic information and, and you know having access effectively to anything at the push of a button now um, I think it's really important that we understand not only what we're feeding our minds, but what we're feeding our, our, our civilizations and our immediate cultures as well. Yes. And Corey, another question I have is, since you are in the technological field, do you think we do have technology to make information open and accessible for everybody? And how fast can we implement it if we tomorrow decided that we really need this foundation? So, you know, when I, when I say this technology, it, it certainly will make some people feel certain ways about certain things. And uh, a number of people just go straight to, to Bitcoin. But for me, the blockchain enables all of that. And the more that I study blockchain and the decentralized ledgers, I understand that the technology completely exists. And we now do have, uh, you know, quantum computers, supercomputers that can take the blockchain. And, you know, th this becomes a, a, an incorruptible ledger this becomes an absolute uh, way to have that transparency into the openness, the honesty, everything that's illustrated in the fourth principle. However, um, at this point, there is a, a high cost associated with storing that much data. And, you know, until the clouds become the clouds and all these things, and it becomes very, very Tesla. And you, you look at all these kind of, you know, free energies flowing around the world and, you know, then some people will, will argue that some of them are quite bad for us and give you cancer. And right, I think we need to really understand how we're sharing these things, how we are, you know, not only the, the delivery mechanisms, but that we really understand the ramifications of everything that we're doing. Wow. I, I think that's, you know, 
using the technology to serve us rather than say the other way around. Um, an interesting uh, point is, you know, how far do you think sort of personal responsibility goes in relation to the to the creative society and information? A hundred percent. I was blown away when I realized the scope of the volunteers, the the participation and turnout, the 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 absolute just oneness and unity that's coming together around the society in a way I, I have not seen with any other movement globally and it certainly all seems to be coming from the same place and it's, it's it seems to really be foundational and at the same time I think you have a lot of people outside of the society that, that don't play by the same rules and, and that do have you know ways to put mirrors up and, and to, to augment words and statements and, and sentiments and so you know to I'll be honest, sometimes I get a little scared about the creative society because it seems as though someone from the outside could, could do a lot of harm uh, to the mission and things of that nature. And in my world, sometimes I, I default kind of to the, the dollars in the bank. And if, you know, if we were to need, you know, protection legally, militarily, you know, as a society and culture. Um, but I really do understand the sentiment of, of trying to transcend that. Uh, so I know I go down some, some mm -hmm. tangents and rabbit holes, but Sure, so what type of conditions do we need to create for people to understand that together we can build this future, we can all be proud of, and that it actually does not involve, you know, couple people pointing fingers, but it actually lays back on every single person around the globe to realize that, you know, the creative society really starts with, the, with yourself. It doesn't start with your neighbor. It starts with yourself. So what conditions do we need to create in the society to allow us to dream a little bigger? So I would say that it's a big one that may or may not be attainable yet. And it, it, it can be taken biblically or anything like that. But I think it's forgiveness. And I think that, you know, people need to give permission to forgive themselves for things they've done in the past and to forgive those that they, they feel, you know, to, to, to continue with the biblical uh, have trespassed against them. Right. Um, but I do think right now there's so many grudges there's so many familial, you know, quarrels and so many different perceptions of history that um, there are people that actually don't want to see others do well. And, and I think that, that that forgiveness is what would be required to help get past that societally. I think that if, if people could just hit reset and if people understood that, that the, the future is the only thing that we have a, a control over and the past can hold many people back, I think that there would be a lot of power there. Um, but frankly, and, and I think these conversations are fantastic, but frankly, I don't know what could be done to, to get you know the, the masses that, that need that forgiveness for the release that it could bring them. Um, bring that to fruition. So, so um, I, I think forgiveness would be what I would say, but I, I think that that's probably somewhat aspirational. Yes. And then also another question I have is we know that we all have the, this power of attention and it's very strong because if a lot of people put their attention into something, it will happen or manifest itself. So what do you think, um, how can we all put this attention into creative society? What are some of the tools that we can use to spread the message around the globe? So I have some friends that have tried this and, and I, I would point back to the song from the 80s, We Are the World. I think music unites. And I think if there was a song and, you know, there are people in my network and myself that, you know, if it were to reach a certain critical mass could probably get some bigger names involved as well. But I think, you know, a unifying song would be a really great way um, to bring people uh, in on that. 
And other than that, the only way that I know of, and, and it's, it's, it's hugely ambitious and it's something that I'm working on, you know, it's as a, as a far out goal or a big hairy audacious goal, but um, is really a giving event. And for me, it would be fiscal. And if there was a way to, you know, give, give everyone that needed it money, you know, or, or the things that they thought they needed the money for. But I do think that a giving event to show that there is that abundance to tap into, that there is a, a non-judgmental pool of resources that, you know, can can be leveraged by people that might not even think they deserved it. I think that would be another way um, that might be a little bit less attainable than a song, um, but but certainly something to to work towards. I think I think you're right, and you know, it's the curse of consumerism which actually creates the division. Um, and um, I think I think that is, and you must be able to identify that's a challenge um, to take one thing and and make something fair to all, to others. Um, have you got any ideas on that type of how that could be attained in a, in a creative society? Well, I've talked on some of the pre-interview calls about this and it's, you know, it starts to get, I don't mean to be an alarmist by any stretch of the imagination. I'm very free and I, I get involved in a lot of initiatives, but uh, I look at people like Nikola Tesla who, who were killed for trying to just give free electricity. And I understand that you know, once we start talking about, you know, how, um, you know, the, 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 the corporatization and, and, and things like this are the problem, then you start to go against the people that can, you know, potentially create worldwide pandemics and or, you know, really si silence, uh, you know, billions of people with the push of a button. And um, so I really don't know. I do think that, that there is there is some true opposition. I, I, I do think that there is. Um, you know, people that are tuned into positivity, um, it's really easy to, to kind of say, well, why can't it just be, you know, this, this, this wonderful, and I think the reason is there is resistance there, you know, there, there's always going to be both, both darkness and light in, in any situation. Um, so, so again, I think that it, it, at a foundational level, and this is where social media gets to be so powerful, I think that if we can reach the minds, right, in the Bible, Jesus says the whole or the, the sick have no need for the pardon. The whole have no need for the physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think if we stop preaching to the choir and if we can start actually impacting some of these people, you know, in the true 1% and some of the people in the multi-billionaire class and things of that nature, you know, once they're not on defensive and once they don't think that they need personal militaries to protect their wealth from the rest of the world. And, um, so, so I think that there is an educational piece. I think there's also just a give back piece where, where some of the people, um, you know, that have done very big things in their lives. And I think that um, the, the, she's not a widow or um, the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, I think she's you know, taken a, a massive fortune and wants to use that. I think people like that can um, make others in a similar situation, um, you know, in the, 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 the Bill and Melinda Gates and those type, I, I really do think they're inspiring more people up top than the people that aren't there might think. So I think just staying the course and, and those that can, can give and give freely, I think that they, they are, are doing more good than their dollars even might suggest. So I agree. Thank you so much for sharing your vision and understanding of a creative society. And I know that, you know, there are so many more questions and that's why we are hosting the conference on December 20th, because we want to make sure that we address everything that our consciousness is telling us that, you know, 
things are not possible. What can I do as one person? Why me? Can someone just build it and I'll just join? And all other questions we get. <laughs> so we will address everything on December 20th. And we hope to inspire another million of people to take action and act towards a creative society. So Corey, before we go, we always ask our guests to introduce another person to be on our program. Someone that you already know, so we can continue this meaningful conversation. So who is that person and why? So he, he's my, my friend from down under that Mr. Shane Wallace of WorkApp, if he hasn't already been on, um, he, he is absolutely, um, he's part of this, whether or not he knows it and his story will inspire what he's doing will inspire millions. Awesome. I don't think we had him on, so we will reach out and invite him. And Corey, we had such a wonderful time. And before we go, is there something you would like to wish to our audience tonight? You know, I've been saying this often, and it, it probably lands differently for, for a lot of people. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say two favorite quotes beforehand, but then I'll, I'll wrap up with something that will sound very simple to some people, but it's, it's profound to me. But the two quotes that I love that if you haven't heard them, uh, anyone watching may may, may I, my hope is that it impacts you the way it did for me. The first is that perfection is the enemy of progress. I think a lot of people really get caught up on uh, the minutia, the details. And, you know, I am one of, one of my titles that, I, that I'm on salary for is a visionary. I'm a, you know, a service chief visionary officer. And so as a visionary, of course, your head is in the clouds and, and you don't get it as weighed down. But I think that concept for me was very liberating. The second is a two-part quote that people typically smile and nod only halfway through and think they've heard it, but the second part's what's profound, but it's um, to give without expectation, but to receive without resisting. And the, the receive without resisting to me is huge. I think a lot of people have a hard time accepting, you know, good into their lives. Uh, and then what my, my final thought, and again, it, it might not land with a number of people. It's very cliche. But something that's been really working that when I finish with is for, for people to just really meditate even for one second on loving more and whatever that means, whether it's loving yourself more, whether it's loving technology more, whether it's loving your struggles more, whether it's you're loving your, your, your pets, you know, this, this uh, global pandemic, whatever it is, but, but anywhere and everywhere you can love more. I encourage all of us to do that. Wow, oh, yes. Love is such a powerful source. And thank God we all have it. We just got to tap into it. <laughs> so well thank said. you. So, yes. Thank you so much, Corey. And thank you so much, Paul. And for our viewers, if you would like to learn more about the project Creative Society, please visit alatriunites.com. And on the website, you can learn more about the initiative. And when you click join us button, you also can request your support for the Creative Society. And you can uh, select your level of participation. You can receive a newsletter. You can volunteer just like Paul and I are doing today. There are so many more things that we need to to, to get that done, but really we are doing it. We are not going to stop till we live in a creative society and we can live there faster if you are joining us today. So Corey, thank you so much. Paul, thank you. And to our viewers, have a good night. Bye-bye.